Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. God, thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for loving us in spite of us, God. Thank you, Father, that you allow us to come into your throne room, God, that you let us come in and pray, Father. Thank you that you let us come in and lift up on behalf of others, God, that are sick, Father, and you hear those prayers and meet those needs and, and answer those requests, God. Thank you, Father, Lord, that you allow us to just come in, Lord, and Lord, the, the way of so long-suffering and, and so much forbearance, God, I, Father, I want to tell you is thank you, God. You've been so incredibly good to us. Lord, I ask you, would you meet with us here tonight, Father, as we take a look here in your word, Lord, and, and what you gave us, what your Holy Spirit wrote, Lord, in the Acts of the Apostles and the establishment of the church and all the things that you've given us, Father. I pray you'd teach us, Father. Lord, it's our heart's desire to draw closer to you, God. If we learn just one little thing, Father, one little thing we can hold on to, one little thing that will draw us closer to you, Father, it would be a great night. We love you, Father. I ask you, Lord, to help us at all that we do be pleasing to you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Acts chapter 19, um, we left off. That would have been last year, wouldn't it? Sounds bad to say we left off a year ago. A couple weeks ago, we're over in the other building. We left off chapter 19, but when diverse were hardened, believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed, talking about the apostle Paul, departed from them and separated the disciples. He pulled them, disputing daily the school of Tyrannus. So verse number 10 it says that this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. That's actually where we left off. We made it kind of into that verse the last time. Remember, we were talking about how this was in Paul's second missionary journey and how when he was headed toward Asia, well, he ended up in Asia. You know, we, we kind of finished up talking about how, remember when God forbade him to go to cities. Everybody remembers that, right? He wanted to preach at this city, and there's tons of lost people, and God forbade him, and he, and he wasn't allowed to preach in cities that, that needed the gospel. And sometimes God gives us things that doesn't make sense to us. Sometimes God gives us direction, and we don't understand the direction. Sometimes God tells us to do things that we just don't really think we ought to do or not do things that we feel like would be a great idea. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever have a great idea? I mean, man, I need to do this, and I, boy, I mean, this would lead people to the Lord, or this would be something. But, but you just can't get a piece about it, and God says, don't. Well, that's kind of the Apostle Paul. It's like, no, he forbade him to preach in these cities, but it was so that he got there, so as those that dwelled in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, we looked at the fact that Asia was the central hub. Had he not gotten to Asia, that, which is the central hub to the world, is where exports, import exports, in and out. It's a central figure, and by getting the gospel to Asia, it made it spread much more rapidly around the world than it would have otherwise. And because he, because he listened to what the Holy Spirit said, because he followed the direction that the Lord gave him, because he didn't make up his own mind and say, look, that dude's lost. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop right here and witness to him anyway. Because he followed the guidance of the Holy Spirit, he got to Asia. And because he got to Asia, the gospel did get around the world. And it did get to all of these other cities and all the, the, the towns that we've looked at and all the places that, that churches were established. But you know, there, there's other places. We've got the letter to the church at Coloss in Colossians. So we know there's a church there in Revelation that Jesus refers to the seven churches and he wrote letters back to the seven churches. All of those things stem because Paul went to Asia and Paul went to where he was supposed to go and the gospel spread out from there. So it's very important for us to look at it and see that when God gives us things to do, it doesn't have to make all the sense to us because God's plan is bigger than our vision. God's ways, he tells us point blank, 
they're not our ways. They're higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They're higher than our thoughts. So when God gives us some direction, whether it's a, a do or a don't do, we can see there from the Apostle Paul being obedient, it was extremely important. So verse number 11 says that God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were, were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and diseases departed from them, and evil spirits went out from them. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I'm going to spend a little bit of time right here because there's a lot of people that take this way out of context today. There, there's a lot of people bending this a, a long way and be honest, using it to their financial gain. When, when we're looking here in the, in the Bible, what we're looking at is the gospel. Number one, we're looking at an apostle. And number two, we're looking in the apostolic age. Not only are we not apostles, but we're no longer living in the apostolic age. So it's important to look at who it is that, that we're looking at and who it is that the Word of God is talking about. But the word used there for body in verse number 12, it refers to skin. It's actually referring to skin. It's the only place in all the New Testament that we find this particular word. But then he uses the word for handkerchiefs. That word also means napkins. We do find that same word some other times. It just sometimes a word has different translations and, and handkerchiefs, napkins, both of them fall from the same word. When, when they talked about Lazarus and the napkins that was on his face, they used the same word. Remember Jesus? Um, when Jesus, they went in, in the, the, the covering, the burial clothes, the grave clothes was there, but the napkin was folded to the side, right? And, and, and we all know we've all been taught that part. That's a Jewish custom to take that napkin. If you put it over the plate, that means I'm done. You can take my plate. But if you fold your napkin and put it to the side, that means I'm not done here. I'll be back. And, and that, that, that's when it talks about that napkin. There's a purpose why Jesus folded that thing and it was laid to the side. But we do see that word there used in other times talking about napkins. But the miracles that, that are talked about here, these are, these are special miracles. These are very special things that Paul could send out this napkin. The Holy Spirit uses the word here. It means mighty works or mighty manifestations of power. So obviously the Holy Spirit is telling us that there's something extraordinary about these miracles. That he's sending out these handkerchiefs and sending them out to the sick. And, and honestly, they, so, so the, the handkerchief he would have worn while he was working along with the apron as well. The apron would have been a covering. He was a tent maker, right? So the napkin... Well, it, it would have had, it's what you wipe your face with. It would have been sweaty, it been whatever. But he, he sends those out to people. And it says that there's a great healing. They're, they're reflective of the miracles. Um, remember the, the woman with the issue of blood. We do it here in the Easter play. Y'all got your sign up. Everybody got your sign up, right? Everybody went ahead and checked, yes, you signed up to be and he's alive. Did y'all not get that today? Y'all didn't get that today? I see some no's. So, so sign up. Sign up is this Sunday. The meeting is next Sunday, and practice starts the next Sunday. Y'all ready? Um, and by the way, just to plug it in, that's going to be the week of spring break, and we're going to try to do it the Sunday before and Friday and Saturday to get in an extra night this year. So, anyway, that's all free. But it just makes me come into play. You remember, we do the woman with the issue of blood. She touched 
the hem of his garment. She touched the hem of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the power left from his body because she touched his clothing. Remember when it talked about Peter? And it says that, that Peter passing by, that his shadow passing on them might heal their disease. And it did. People just sitting up by the wayside, when his shadow passed by, would be healed of sickness and infirmity. So you kind of see uh, the, the, the same here in the reflection of it. But these are not powers that are passed on to you and I. We, we can put people in our shadow all we want to. It, there, there's no healing power in our shadow, nor in our clothes. And, and I, I was thinking about when I, I was studying this, and, you know, they, they had those powers and we don't because I often talk about it and specify that God is no respecter of persons, right? And that's absolutely true. He's, he is no respecter of persons. But that doesn't mean that everybody has the same anointing. That, that doesn't mean that everybody will get the same thing. I, I can give you an example as simple as this. The, the, I, I'm not a preacher, never have been. And, and I don't have the ability to preach at all. But I can tell you, my, my wife, I've been sick. I've been times I had no voice. I've had time when my back hurt. I had time my leg hurt. I've had time when I felt like I wasn't going to be able to get up here. But if I can just get behind this podium, it changes there's a preacher sitting right there. He knows what I'm talking about. It's called an anointing. I didn't need it at 7.05. I don't need it at 8.05. But, but if you don't have it, then you're sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. You don't need that, but you need an anointing for whatever you're doing. You need an anointing for what's going on in your life. You, you need what you need. I need what I need. And, and so that it's just a different anointing. It's not that God showed them favor. It's that God gave them something that they needed for the time. Every one of us has our own destiny. Every one of us has our own calling. We have our, our own thing that God has given us to do. And God will give us the anointings that we need for the time necessary. They were given what they needed for the time. And, and we'll look a little bit at the reason why. You remember John chapter 14, verse number 12. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall, do all, shall he do also. Greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. That doesn't mean that you and I have the power to do greater miracles than Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, but number one, he's not telling us that we can do miracles greater than what he did. He's talking to the apostles right here. And he is making a point. They have power. See, chapter 10, when he told them, Matthew chapter 10, when he sent the apostles out and told them, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, Cast out devils. Freely have received, freely give. They were given that power then. They were given the power to do those things. They were. That, that group of men right there was given the specific power. Now, because when, when Jesus, he's still talking to them when he talks about greater things you'll do and more. I, there's a possibility, there's a thought behind that, that because he's talking to multiple disciples and he's handed them this power and they're going to go to these different places for a time, then they will do more miracles. So it's not greater miracles as in greater. I mean, how much greater can you get than calling Lazarus out of the grave? How much greater can you get than making the blind to see or, or making the lame to walk or, or the mute to speak? I mean, how much greater can it get? But they are greater in number. They're there's more of them, and Jesus has given them this power to go out. So there's kind of a thought process of that verse that he's talking about the multitude of the miracles that he did. But in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent out 70 others also, right? But he didn't give them the same power. See, they don't carry the same power because they don't carry the same purpose. They, they were set up for a different 
purpose than, than the apostles. They, they were appointed for a different reason. The apostles are, are, are there. They traveled with Jesus. They saw the miracles of Jesus. They heard the words of Jesus. It was their job not only to record the word of Jesus, but to be eyewitnesses. They were eyewitnesses to the miracles. They were eyewitnesses to the trial. They were eyewitnesses to the rejection. They were eyewitnesses to the beating. They were eyewitnesses to the crucifixion. They were eyewitnesses to the resurrection. They were eyewitnesses to the ascension. Jesus had them there. They have this power. They've been given this apostolic power. But they're there to be with Jesus because their job is to carry the gospel when Jesus is gone, right? He gave them, Matthew, that's what he gave us in the commission. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, go there for all four. He told that to them. So they're given a commission to take what Jesus had done, take the things that they've seen that they're eyewitnesses of, and to go out and preach those things. The 70 others, their job was to go out right then. It says that they were to go out and proclaim the gospel then. They were going out and to, to proclaim, um, I, think I, I think I wrote that verse down for you. Maybe I didn't. How about if I just get it for you real quick? It's easier. See, that's why I usually post them. It's easier if I post them where I can just read them. I don't have to take time to look them up. So after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also. And he sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whether he himself would come. See, the purpose of these 70 here in Luke chapter 10 is to go before Jesus and, and to prophesy. He says, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. So those 70 are sent out to proclaim Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. They have a different purpose than what the 12 had when they were sent out and, and they were given this power. Hebrews chapter 2, talking about the apostles in verse 4, God says also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and the gift of the Holy Ghost according to his will. There is a miracle that every one of us can do that I don't know it might be greater than the miracles of Jesus Christ up to the point of the resurrection and that miracle is to tell the world about Jesus Christ. That, that miracle is to tell the world about the blood of the Lamb of God that, that miracle is to share that all of your sins can be forgiven. You don't have to go to hell. You get to go to heaven. There's a mansion prepared for you if you just trust Jesus Christ. There's not a greater miracle ever been done than the one that lives inside of you and I. Mankind separated from God by sin, lost on our way to hell with no redemption, no possibility of redemption whatsoever. And Jesus Christ made a way and that way lives inside of us. There's not a greater miracle than the miracle that lives inside of us. And we have the opportunity to share that miracle. So we have an opportunity to do a great miracle, and, and that's one of them. But I can tell you, those televangelists who put out there and promise they'll mail you a healing cloth that'll make your sickness go away, if you'll just send them this $150, they're liars. They, 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 they don't just bear watching. They're, they're to stay away from. They, they do not have apostolic powers. They, they do not have the ability to wipe their forehead with a, with a cloth and send it to you and make your cancer go away, make your heart problems go away, make your COVID go away. They do not have that kind of power because we're looking at a completely different time. What God did for the Apostle Paul is not the same for everyone. God gave the Apostle Paul that power. 
What about Billy Graham? Does every preacher have the same thing as Billy Graham? Of course not. It's Billy Graham. It's what he was. Does everybody have the same gospel to preach? Absolutely. Um, the, the same is true with you. Everybody doesn't have your anointing. Everybody doesn't have your purpose, your plan. You have what you have that God gave for you. And, and everybody has that. But what everybody doesn't have is, is the power to, to wipe your forehead and blow your nose on a napkin and mail it to somebody and it cures their sinus infection. Um, but, but that is taken way out of context and used grossly wrong in today's world. So verse number 13, it says that certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Well, you're getting in some dangerous territory here. You see, number one, vagabond Jews, you know what that means? They don't believe Jesus in the first place. They don't believe he's the son of God. They don't believe he's from God. They don't believe he's the anointed of God. They don't believe he's the chosen of God. They don't believe he's redemption of fallen man. They don't believe he's resurrected from the grave. They don't believe any of that. So the vagabond Jews, that's what they are. They're the same ones that crucified Jesus Christ. They don't, they don't believe, but what they've done, they, they've seen Paul use the name of Jesus Christ and sickness get healed. They've seen Paul use the name of Jesus Christ and lives get changed. So what they want is public attention. What they want is personal notoriety. What they want is, is, to build, is to build on self. Now, because they've heard the name of Jesus, you know, they don't claim to know the name of Jesus. They don't, they don't just call out the name of Jesus and say, in the name of Jesus. They say this Jesus that Paul preacheth. So they make it obvious that they don't know him. They make it obvious that they don't even really believe it. But they've seen it work for Paul. So if it works for Paul, we'll see if we can get some, some notoriety here. Let, let, me just, let me just plug this in. Evil spirits are real. Demons are real. They were real then and they're real now. I've said it many times, I believe with all my heart, if we had spiritual eyes to see the spiritual warfare taking place around us every day, we'd be terrified. I, I believe when we pray for God to put a hedge of protection around us and our families, that God puts a hedge of protection around us and our families. And I believe that the angels that are protecting us are fighting against the demons of hell that are trying to take you out, destroy you, destroy your life, destroy your testimony, destroy your joy, take away your peace, take away your happiness. But, but there's a warfare going on. Demons are real. The, the Bible spends a lot of time telling us about it. And, and so, so we know that, that messing with evil spirits is a dangerous business. These Ouija boards and stuff, you stay away from that stuff. Them signs that say palm readers, are oh, they a bunch of fakes? Yeah, they're a bunch of fakes. But they're also probably demon-possessed. Some, some of them may really can get some pretty close card readings, crystal balls, that stuff. That, that, that stuff is evil. You stay away from evil spirits. You stay away from evil stuff. You stay away from, from evil works. I mean, those people deal with some bad news. Demons are some bad news. One demon alone, 10,000 men couldn't touch him. They're extremely powerful. They, they were angels, and we understand the strength of the angels. We, we know that Satan himself will be one of the, the archangels, and we know that Michael had to come down and Daniel because of contend. So we understand that, that the archangels have an even greater power. But, but demons are bad dudes. That They're not something for, for mankind to mess with. Now, verse number 14, it says that there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jew, a chief of the priests, which did so. So what it tells us is that there's seven men... Who they decided they want to make a name for themselves. 
you know what? This dude over here is demon-possessed, and we're, here we are. We're, we're Jews. We're rabbis. And so what we're going to do, we're going to go over and cast this thing out. You know, we talked about the Sanhedrin Council a lot, right? Especially back in the beginning and the power of the Sanhedrin Council back in Jerusalem. Every town that has Jews has a Sanhedrin Council, a, a form of. If there's 120 or more Jews, then they have a Sanhedrin Council of 23. If there's less than 120 Jews in the city, then they have a Sanhedrin Council of 3. But every community that has a concentration of Jewish people living in it, there has to be a Sanhedrin Council. It's part of their Jewish law. Part of their, so, so more than likely, it's presumed that this Gebel was part of uh, the Sanhedrin Council here at Ephesus. And he has these sons. And so now they're attempting to cast out a a demon using Jesus whom Paul preached. Not, not the name of Jesus, but, but the, the, we've heard Paul do this before. So we're going to do it in Jesus' name. And the devil, the, the, the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know. Paul I know. But who are you? See, see casting out demons is a big deal to the demons. Study, study the demons that didn't want to be cast out when they stood before Jesus. They had to come out because it's the commandment of Jesus. They had no choice. But remember, they begged Jesus. Once they were cast in the swine, begged not to be cast out into a dry place. Demons don't want to be cast out. It's a bad deal for them. So, so if you think you're going to go cast one out, and, and you get all up in that grill, and you don't even have Jesus on your side, well, well that's what they did. They, they, they went and... The, the man said, Jesus, Jesus I know. See, these men didn't. They, they didn't know Jesus. They just knew the one that Paul preached. But the demon did. The, the demons know Jesus very well. The Bible says that they tremble at his name. They know exactly who he is. They know that he is the Holy One of God. They know that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. They know that Jesus Christ is in the beginning and that he that was in the beginning with them. They know that he is the word. They know that he is the Lord of heaven and earth. They know all about the virgin birth. They know all about his omnipotent power. They know all about his power over death, hell, and the grave to take his life back up. They know about his atoning death and what it's for. The demons know very well who Jesus Christ is. They're very familiar with the resurrection of the grave because all the powers of hell did everything they could to hold that stone down and nothing could keep it from moving. They did everything they could to keep him in that grave. They know very well that they have no power when it comes to Jesus Christ. They did everything they could to keep him from ascending to the Father, but there was nothing they could do to keep him from sitting down on the throne at the right hand of the Father and taking his place as King of kings and Lord of lords. The demons know exactly who Jesus Christ is. That word demon there, the, the demon said, Jesus, I know the, the word used here in this text, it comes, the word know, it comes from a word that means I know him by experience. That means I have experienced his power. I have experienced his majesty. I have experienced his supremacy. I, the demon says, I know who he is. Because of personal experience, I know exactly who Jesus is. But he also says, I also know who Paul is, but he uses a different word. The word that know who Paul is, it means I know him by reason of proximity. I know him as, as a child of God. I see the works that he does. I know who he is, and, and I know the one that, that you mentioned, but here's what I don't know. You are who? You, you want me to do what? You come in here 
to command me out to, to talk to me, and, and you think I'm going to listen to you? And he beat the starch out of them. There, there was seven of them. Now, that shows you the power of the demon inside of the one man. He, it says in verse number 16, the man whom the evil spirit was leaped on them. So this ain't just the demon himself. It's not like this demonic spirit outside of the man jumped. The, de the demonic spirit in that man jumped on them, on, on seven of them. And it says that he overcame them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Now, he put a whooping on all seven of them. It was known to all the Jews and the Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on, on them all in the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. That, that's a pretty, that's, a, that's not a pretty, that's a very important part. They, they came and, and they showed their, their deeds. They came and confessed their deeds. They came and confessed their sins. They confessed their wickedness. See, this is, the, this is the Jews that still know the Old Testament. This is the Jews that are still being taught the law and the prophet in the synagogue. And they know Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. They know that when you bring your sins forward and you confess them and you lay them all out and say, Father, I'm a sinner and forgive me. And, I, and you confess them and put them out and then you repent and turn from them. They understand that there's mercy. So they came spitting some stuff out. They, they came putting their sins out before them. And, and verse number 19 says that many of them which also used curious arts. That, that's witchcraft. That's a lot of stuff. They used curious art. They brought their books together. That would, have been, that would have been books concerning things like Ouija boards. That's books about witchcraft. That's books about, about spells, all the stuff that's there. That, that they, they burned them before all the men. They counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So that, that curious arts, the, the Holy Spirit uses the word here. It, it describes their idols. It describes their sorcery. It, it describes the all the things that, that there is contained in their evil, all the books of, of darkness, all the things that they have. It says that they brought all of it there. They, they would have had images, and we'll see that in the next couple of verses, but they would have had images of, of the goddess Diana and all of the false gods, all the little silver, if they could afford it, the, the different little idols that they had in their homes that were just little replicas of, of the big ones. They had all that stuff. Here, here it is in a nutshell. They brought the things of their past. That, that simple enough? All of their sin, all of their idolatry, all of the things that drew them away from God, all, all, all of everything that they were ashamed of before God, it says that they brought them there. So here's something worth, worth taking time to, to look right there and understand. These things were of great monetary value. How much, how much did Caiaphas pay Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus Christ. The early pieces of silver. That text says that those things are worth 50,000 pieces of silver. It's just poor people. This is the things they got. This, this is, the, this is their, their books, their spells, and all the stuff there. So, so here's the deal. Here, here's what they had to decide. They had to decide, I'm going to follow Christ. So, so first of all, I have to get all of this stuff out of my life. 
If I'm going to follow Christ, I'm going to give my heart to Christ. I'm not going to say a little prayer, Lord, forgive me and save me. And then I'm going to live in my way. I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means all this junk's got to get out of my life. All this stuff's got to get out of my house. All this stuff, all this worldly, godly, devilish stuff, all, all this has got to go. But, but what am I going to do with it? Well, obviously I could sell it. I, I mean, 50,000 pieces of silver? I can sell it and get rid of it. It's no longer in my house. But, but then you got to know that, that you're, you're pushing somebody else further away from God. You're somebody that, that you could be a witness and a testimony to that could see the change in your life and to see what God did you. You're trying to sell them that stuff. You just let them see it can't be that real because you're just selling things back to make money. So they say, no, we can't do that. So what are we going to do? I said, we're going to burn it. We're going to bring all that stuff, and it's got to go. See, a lot of Christians today still have our houses and still have our lives full of the things of our past. Oh, you're getting all up in the metal on a Wednesday night. A lot of Christians have said their little prayer, but they ain't changed their life. The problem with casual Christianity today is too many people want to live in the world and claim to be a Christian. That they've not brought the books of their past and put them in the fire. They've not brought the idols of their past and gotten rid of them. They're, they're still hanging on to that stuff. I, I was reading this. I couldn't help. When I was reading it, I couldn't help but, but think back. And I've shared this with you before. Anybody remember about the cassette tapes? I had hundreds of them. I'm, I mean, Robin will tell you, hundreds. Well, I have eight tracks, too. You think anybody here can't look at this and tell how old I already am? We may all broadcast it. I earned every day of these 60 years. I tell you right now, they all hard earned, hard rode, and put up wet. Proud of every one of them. Every one of them one day closer to home. So, so yeah, actually, I still have some eight tracks stored around somewhere. I hunt them up. Albums, records. I need to get all that stuff out. See, now I got to clean the attic out. Hundreds of cassettes. And, and they were all, I mean, like the Daz, Street Beat. You know what I'm talking about? About another kind of stuff? Yeah, some Michael Jackson. I, country music. I mean, you name it, I had it, man. It, it, it just Whatever, if you want to ride, it didn't matter to me. It's that rock and roll. I couldn't never really get into that stuff. ACDC, Kiss, them guys, I couldn't ever get into that. I wasn't ever, I wasn't ever that, that metal rock and roll. But, but pretty much everything else, I had it. You know what I'm talking about? And, and I'm just such as in my basement. It's in all the cases. Y'all know the padded cases. Y'all as old as I am. They ain't meant, listen, you pretend like you don't know what cassette is. You don't tell you just as old as I am. And, and you had the cases that, that they all went in, and, and you put them in the case, put them in there. And, and I mean, they were stacked up. And, and I'm down there, and, and Lord laid on my heart, you need to get that stuff out of your house. What? I ain't going to lie to you. I like that music. That's stuff from the 80s and 90s. I, that's why I hate going in a gas station. Because I hear one of them, I walk out singing it word for word. You can't get that stuff out of your mind. And that stuff's in my house. You mean, get off that stuff. He's talking about Jeremiah was a bullfrog. But I've been singing that all night long. You need it right to the altar. Repent. The Lord told me I need to get rid of that stuff. And I thought, I don't even make them no more. They might be worth something someday. Lord said, no, I'm going to get rid of them. 
So I filled up the back of my truck with trash and throwed them cassettes in it and went right on up out of the dump. You can't carry the junk of your past around. See, see, you know what that was? This is just the truth. I hadn't listened to them in years at that time. The cases was in dust. They were down there in the basement. I probably would have never listened to them again since then. But I was holding on to them. It may sound weird to you, but it wasn't the easiest thing to throw them away. I remembered when Stan Jackson and I went to the mall in Albany, Georgia and bought the majority of them when I was working down at Riverview. I remembered a lot of stuff. It wasn't that easy, but here's what it was. And God did it. It was something of my past that I was holding on to. The problem with a lot of Christians today is we hold on to a lot of past. Now, some of you isn't get mad. You, you hold on to your country music. You, you're holding on to, to your whatever music. Listen, I don't, I don't care. It's your life. It's your business. It is. Listen to what you want. But we've got to decide that we want things that draw us towards God or away from God. And, and if we're not willing to let go of everything that we had prior to Christ drew us away from God, right? So, so if we're holding on to that on this side of the cross, it's only pulling us back from what God's got in store. I'm just telling you what this text says right here is that these people didn't just get saved. They got it. They got it. They wanted their past out of their life. They wanted to live a life pleasing to God. They wanted sorcery out of their house. They wanted witchcraft out of their house. They wanted idols out of their house. They wanted rock and roll music out of their house. They wanted anything that was ungodly out of their house. They brought it and put it in the fire and says, Lord, I'm here to serve you with my heart. I'm here to serve you with my life. I'm selling everything out. I don't want anything from my past that's going to draw me back to what I used to be. That's all that stuff is. That's an example of what it looks like when you just sold out. And says, hey, I, I don't want any of that stuff dragging me back to where I used to be. Anybody care anything about going back to where you used to be? I wonder why so many Christians hang on to stuff that remind us of what we used to be. I wonder why so many Christians hang on to stuff that continually pull us back to what we used to be. You know, you know how stuff's hard to get out? Is that fair to say? We were watching something. The Voice. Dude did that Michael Jackson song. Y'all watch The Voice? Y'all ready anybody watch The Voice? John, you and I and Robin. So, so The Voice is a singing competition. Some of them sing gospel songs, very few. But the dude did a Michael Jackson song. Did a pretty good job. Well, you, you, got, you got to be bold to take on Michael Jackson. I don't think anybody got any age on him understands what they call him, King of Pop, that's what they called him. There, there was a reason. He was popular for a reason. But he, he did a song, and, and I spent two days trying to get that song out of my mind. I'm talking about singing it. You, you know what I'm talking about? Because I sat there and watched it. If, if you, I, I, put, I allowed something to put in that brought me back to my past, and I spent two days just trying to get over it. I kept having to go. I'd catch myself singing. i go back to singing, How Great Is Our God. How great just trying to get it out. In a few minutes, I catch myself, I'll be right, I'll be thrilling it again. No, 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 no. How great is our God? Try, try to sing something different. In anything to try to get it out. It, it's important for us. You're here on Wednesday night for a reason. You want to serve God. Period. You're here because you want to be closer to God. You want to be closer to the family of God. We're having a service. We're coming to try to learn things from the Word of God. We're going to study it together. That's why you're here. 
And, and if we're going to get closer to God, the only way to do it is to put only godly things in. Well, I know that that's a long time. It, it's all free. Well, Lord willing, I'm, I'm going to pick up. We're going to pick up. I got 15 minutes. We actually, we actually change right here where these silversmiths get all bent out of shape. Let me turn back over here. Uh, again, it's all about money. Everything's about money. What verse am I on? 20? Yeah, 20. So after these things were ended, Paul purposed in the spirit where he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So, so Paul still got it in his mind to see Rome. Paul has it in his heart to preach at Rome. But, but you notice, he, he planned to preach at Rome and move on, but everything about that worked out different. He planned to preach at Rome, but he didn't plan to go to Rome as a prisoner. He planned to preach at Rome. See, there's already a very established church at Rome. And he planned to go to Rome and, and be a blessing to them and put some things there. But he didn't plan to stay at Rome. He didn't plan to stay in a, in a Roman prison. Just like he didn't plan to, to go to Asia in the first place. He's going to do the little cities. You just understand God's plan don't always look like ours. But, but when we sell out, when we sell out to the things of God, and you do like Paul. Paul took all of that worldly gain he had. Paul was a very smart, very intelligent, very worldly, come from a very important, very respectable family. Saul had a lot of stuff, but when Saul became Paul, he left Saul behind. Too many Pauls are still dragging Saul along. Too, too, too many Pauls are still holding on to the things of Saul because it's the worldly stuff to hang on. But, but when he finishes up the, this journey here it says that he purposed to go on and so he sent to macedonia two of them ministering to him timotheus and erastus but he himself stayed at asia for a season so you got about two and a half years involved right here but then we we get off into some silversmiths and some money and some things that if i start right there we're not going to get out by eight o'clock i just kind of know how that is so we're lord willing we'll pick up right there next week and and take a look at that god thank you so much God, thank you for your book. Thank you for what it teaches us, God. Thank you for what it teaches me, God, to, to get the things out of, of the past, to get anything out that's impure, any impure thought, any impure deed, God, any imagination of the heart, anything that doesn't belong, God, is only drawing me away from you, Father. To, to try to bring all those things confessed before you and just throw them in the fire, God, be done with them, that we might walk closer to you, God, that we might be closer with you, Father. It is our hearts desire, Lord. I, I believe every one of us in this room agree right now in an amen together that it is our heart's desire to be closer to you. It is our heart's desire to be pleasing to you, to serve you better, to live a life more pleasing to you, that the world might see Christ in us, that souls might be saved, that the kingdom might be added to, that you might be glorified, that you might be praised and honored through our lives, God. That's our heart's desire. Father, I pray you'd help us to live it, Father. We love you. You've been good to us. I pray you go with every family represented in this place. God, put a hedge of protection around us. Help us, Father, to, to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We love you. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.